0: Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is un. Unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? You're fed up with this cookie cutter brand of basketball, not draw out and hand check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit, the guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? and
1: yeah, best, friend, best friend. He did a dream, a dream, that was
0: at the lift Broadcast through Blog Pop Radio and CLNS Radio They gon' let me for my ambition, ambition Welcome to the Hooper's Log He did a dream, a dream, that was harder the lift Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gon' let me for my ambition well, welcome on into episode seven of our daily series here on the Hooper's Log through CLNS Radio. It is the Hooper's Log, your Tuesday edition here, November tenth, two thousand and fifteen, and we have quite the recap show for you. We're going to have Justin Rowan on here sometime later on in the show, a little bit a little bit later. He should be on here shortly. Uh, we do have we do have Andrew Norris in the building. He will be up in just a moment. Uh, again, we have some hot, breaking sports news when it comes to the world of the NBA. Uh, a guy in Mario Chalmers getting traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll have more on that information here in a little bit. Um, but it looks like Mario Chalmers is going from the Miami Heat to the Memphis Grizzlies. This could be a big-time move for them from the standpoint of, look, uh, they already have Mike Conley. I mean, Mike Conley is already one of the better point guards in the NBA. And a guy in Mario Chalmers, who, let's just be honest, He needs a scenery change. I mean, after that finals performance in 2014, the guy has not looked the same. He hasn't looked like the clutch Mario Chalmers we all remember in our heads when he played at Kansas. He doesn't look like the guy who came off the bench in 2012, 2013, like we used to know. He's kind of just a guy that has just kind of hovered and not been the same since that 2014 NBA finals performance. But now he gets to go to Memphis, change up his scenery a little bit, and potentially make a new run with this ball club who had an unbelievable game last night against the L.A. Clippers, which I told you, Andrew, from the perspective of, look, this game last night between the Clippers and Memphis, I know you mentioned that the Clippers were going to handle their business. They did, but it was scary from a gambling perspective as Memphis only lost by two. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but obviously Mario Chalmers going to the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, and obviously you're here in the fan duel You're here in the FanDuel uh, studios today here on the Hooper's Log, through CLNS Radio, and if you'd like to call in, 323-642-1558. Listen up, NBA fans. The season is back, and so is the one-day fantasy action over at FanDuel.com. Think you know basketball? Prove it at FanDuel.com today. One-day fantasy basketball leagues for real money with immediate cash payouts. Pick a team of nine players with just players from tonight's games. We got seven of them tonight, and we'll preview them later on in the show. And, uh, again, play every day or whenever you want. Leagues start at just $1. Finally, you can pay to be a fan. Mention, you know, some players that we have tonight, obviously LeBron playing a guy like Gordon Hayward. That's going to be a pretty good matchup to pick up if you want to pick up some guys. Obviously, he got probably the best matchup of the night when it comes to point guards and John Wall and Russell Westbrook. You're going to get a monster performance there. Obviously, two of the best scorers in the NBA in Carmelo Anthony and DeMar DeRozan. You've got points all over the board when it comes to games tonight. Again, we'll preview those for you later. FanDuel isn't just for huge tournaments. You can play against your friends any night you want, private league, and let the trash talk begin. Join the over 1 million other fans who have already won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use the code Celtics, as we've used in the past, and sign up now. Plus, right now, I have a special offer for the listeners. Sign up today. And FanDuel will match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to two hundred bucks. Yes. That's a bonus of up to two hundred dollars. Offer is only good for the first fifty people that use the code Celtics. Don't forget to use the code Celtics. FanDuel dot com. Where every day is a new season. That's FanDuel.com, dot com. F A N D U E L dot com and sign up today. Andrew, it was a crazy night in hoops, and I know you were watching that Detroit Golden State
1: game. How you been, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm tired. You know, you gotta stay up late on the on the east coast here to watch a ten thirty at night game. I'm also tired of seeing Steve Blake on an NBA basketball court, but that's a discussion we'll have a little bit later. But but other than that I'm pretty good, man. Pretty good.
0: It's good to hear we're gonna have Justin Rowan on soon. He should be on through the phone lines eventually. We'll get to him in a moment once he gets on. Uh but for now we're gonna get into this recap. alright,
2: all He's right, all right. gonna learn today.
0: I mentioned this in my Twitter and in previous, uh, you know, previous things. If you've been following me through Twitter or social media, this was a litmus test night in the NBA. There were no whiteboard where the performance performances, but that's not really what happened last night on a small seven game sample in the NBA on a Monday. This was one of those game. This was one of those nights where there were some litmus tests out there and available for us to see as fans and available for us to see as players. Oh, by the way, players of the week. I mentioned these at the end of last of yesterday's show. James Harden, he averaged over the week 38.5 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, and 5.5 assists. Andre Drummond for his second straight week, obviously getting an Eastern Conference Player of the Week, 22 points per game, 24.3 rebounds per game. Tonight was some. there was some litmus tests. There were some games that you can make the case that going forward, we can look and say, look, Indiana and Orlando was a game last night where we saw Two teams that are up and coming and, and improving throughout the year. Obviously, Indiana getting the win, ninety-seven to eighty-four. And Orlando is still in their growth process, but Indiana made a game last night that you're starting. You're starting to really see a team that we all expected to play. They're now four and one in their last five games. After that, zero and three start in the regular season. They're now starting to turn it on and play like the team we expected them to play like. Andrew, I know you watched the Detroit Golden State game, and we'll get to that in a second. But what did you see from this Orlando Indiana game?
1: Uh, I saw that. That I feel like Indiana's a lot further ahead than I anticipated. You know, they started out rough, but this is an Orlando team that hasn't got beaten like like. And I know the score wasn't absolutely terrible, but you know, if you watch the game, it looked a little bit. It looked like Indiana controlled everything in that game. Uh, you know, they're playing as a team, and that's something we've talked about Orlando doing. Orlando didn't have that in this game. Uh, they they almost looked shell shocked a little bit. Um, you know, it could, I think it's more of a mirage. I don't think Orlando is going to slip back into mediocrity anytime soon. I think they're still a very good basketball team. Uh, but you know, I, I I really think Indiana is a team that's going to make a push for the Eastern Conference Finals. And, and the past week, you know, they've been they've been proving that. And I know it's early. I know the Eastern Conference Finals talk is almost silly at this point, unless you're talking about really the Cavs. Um, so, I mean, let's wait and see. But they're a team that looks a lot better than I originally anticipated.
0: And speaking of the Cavs, we have Justin Rowan on the line. Justin, how's it going, man? What's up? Coming from coming from the great state of Canada. How you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: No problem, man. Hey, we're, we'll talk some Cavs in a second. But if you want to jump in on this recap, feel free. I mean, we just talked about the Indiana Pacers and how they've looked. They won 97-84 last night. Just talking kind of Mm -hmm. about how, you know, the Eastern Conference is kind of playing itself, obviously, still early, only two weeks into the regular season. But the Chicago Bulls have struggled lately in this central division. You can make the case that the central division in the NBA is the best division in basketball, with probably three of the best teams in the conference by far, Chicago, Indiana, and uh, maybe not by far, but pretty much the way they've looked early on. Um, you can say that Indiana has improved recently. Obviously, Chicago has been in a forefront of the Eastern Conference for the last five years, and obviously Cleveland what they did last year. Uh, oh, Chicago getting the win 111-88 to last night. Not a shocker there. They got the win. One of the more shocking games, though, and I don't know if you want to mention this, uh, Justin, or, or even Andrew for that, say Minnesota and Atlanta last night. This was I, – I, I even texted Andrew. This was unbelievable. They were up at one point by – it almost seemed like 50 points. It was at least 35-point lead for Minnesota at one point, winning 117-107. to 107. This was one of those games where I was kind of like – it didn't look like Atlanta had an off night. It just looked like Minnesota shot ridiculously from the field. I heard at one point they were shooting 68% from the field midway through the third. You talk about a great shooting night from Minnesota as Andrew Wiggins went off for 30-plus. This was an unbelievable game. And coming from Eastern Conference powers, as both of you do, you know, from Detroit uh, and Andrew right now with the way Detroit's been playing and obviously with the Atlanta Hawks being the number one seed last year and Cleveland winning it all, uh, what did you see from this game, if you saw it at all, Andrew? And then, uh, Justin, I want to get your take on this one.
1: I saw that Andrew Wiggins is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, this guy, when he's in attack mode, it was he really needs to learn to be consistently in attack mode Night in, night out. This guy right now, I honestly believe, could average close to 25 points a game. He just doesn't have the mindset for it yet, and that's something that's going to come with time, something that's going to come with confidence, which it seems like he has been getting in in the recent game. Uh, now, now, the Timberwolves look like they're way ahead of schedule. I'm still going to be patient and see. I'm not going to them a contender for that eighth seed yet uh but but they do look like they're way ahead of schedule, now what's gonna be interesting is to see you know are they right now going off a uh, motion you know roller coaster playing for playing for flip, or are they really this good uh J- Justin, what was your take on this game
2: from last night um well, I had a couple I mean it. Obviously, the walls were absolutely red hot. Uh, you're talking about Andrew Wiggins shooting 15 of 22 from the floor. When coming into the game, he was only shooting 32% for the season. Um, so he's got out of the funk, and he, his numbers are now kind of going back to where we would expect them to be, at least from a shooting standpoint. Carl um, Anthony Towns was really efficient, even though he didn't put up a lot of raw numbers. Um, I was also impressed with Atlanta. I mean, they are going through a little bit of change with uh, Damari Carroll not being present there. Um, But they they stuck around, and uh, they showed a lot of resiliency and battled back. Um, I think it was a case of one team being hotter than um, anyone really would have expected. Um, I mean, Atlanta's a very good team, and uh, obviously that's a win that's going to turn a lot of heads when you see a young Wolves team uh, come out firing that way and performing so well against the team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah, this
0: Minnesota team, when they get hot, they're really scary, considering the youth that they have and the potential that they have. And you mentioned a good point with Damari Carroll. That really kind of opened up my eyes just for a second. And I already knew this from the standpoint of him being gone and his presence being gone on this team. But it was pretty obvious from the standpoint of Andrew Wiggins went off for 30-plus points last night. You put Damari Carroll in that lineup, and that guy probably goes for 20 maybe, maybe 20, maybe 15. He, he's not going to score as much as, as as at will as he did last night. There were some highlights from Andrew Wiggins last night where I was just thinking, man, if Damari Carroll was on him, that wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have happened. This, this, this situation might not have been where it was. And I think clearly Minnesota was shooting hot from all ends of the court, but when you have one guy going off for 30, that's going to help you get uh, points more often than not, because he's going to spread the floor from multiple angles. Now, Demari Carroll being absent obviously won't help them considering he's in Toronto, which speaking of a hot team, Toronto five and two beginning of the season, five and zero to begin. But I mean, you're talking about an Atlanta team now where they're still good. I mean, seven and two is nothing to sneeze at. That's, that's a fantastic start of the season. Uh, again, we'll get to Cleveland in a moment. Just want to break these games down real quick. Portland, uh, again, Falling short of Denver, kind of what uh, Andrew and I expected last night. Kind of Portland showing their true letters. They're a good. They're a solid team, but they're just they just don't have enough to contend with most teams in the NBA. Again, Denver getting the win, one hundred eight to one hundred four, and then San Antonio obviously one hundred six to eighty eight, laying the wood to the Sacramento Kings. Obviously, DeMarcus Cousins trying to get some minutes in, not looking the same, obviously with his leg injury. But Sac- the San Antonio Spurs laying the wood, winning by eighteen, one hundred six to eighty eight, and then supposedly a game of the night, which I'm, I'm telling you, and Andrew, Andrew, I want you to talk about this because I know this is your game to watch, but I, I, I swear I watched this game, and there were runs that the Detroit Pistons made that made me think, okay, if people were just walking, looking at the, the end score of this game, they're completely mistaken. This Detroit team is for real. I am anointing them as a for real team in the Eastern Conference based upon this game. If you watch this game, there was, a, there was a hindered, injured uh, Reggie Jackson from last night. And this guy, if he wasn't hobbling the way he was up and down the court, you're talking about a Detroit team that could have potentially made this game closer. I don't think they would have won, considering how good goals they played in the fourth quarter. But you're talking about a Detroit team that kept this game close in the third quarter, went on some mild to moderate runs, that put, put some legitimate fear in the Golden State Warriors. And there were some defensive present moments that I saw from Reggie Jackson and other guys on the Detroit team that kept that Golden State, Golden State Warrior and team in check. And there were multiple times throughout the game where I heard the crowd shut down and was really quiet and that is an odd sight to see in a place like Oracle Arena where this team is being denou- announced as by many media outlets as the biggest market you know, biggest team, best team since the 96 Bulls kind of deal and I know that's kind of insane to say for most because I don't agree with it, but it's just the facts of what people are saying, but Detroit came out and played an outstanding game considering the circumstances and considering Reggie Jackson was not 100%. Andrew, take the floor for this game.
1: Alright, my biggest takeaways, and I, I also want to get to Justin about this. I, as long as he watched it, I know it was late, but uh, my biggest takeaways were first of all, Steve Blake, bye. It's, I, I looked into some of his career stats. We get, We get that you know he's a veteran thing on the time. You know he he's been a good shooter in his career. This guy shot forty percent even in his career. This isn't this isn't a guy who's gone out and been a fifty forty ninety guy off the bench. You know only getting five points, but when he when he plays he gets it right. You know he's been a guy who's been able to make some threes, but his whole career and especially this year, he's not a serviceable NBA player. Uh, you know Brandon Jennings coming back for this team is going to be huge. This game is way closer last night if Brandon Jennings is running the floor instead of Steve Blake. I think that's obvious. But the number one thing for this game was Contavious Caldwell-Pope might be a top five, if not top three perimeter defender in the entire NBA. I mean, this guy, every single play getting 100%, chasing Steph Curry through those screens, chasing Steph Curry all around the floor, staying with him, you know when he, Steph Curry couldn't get couldn't get open on him. Of course, he made a couple of fast break threes that really put his stats up there. But when Kentavious Caldwell Pope was guarding Steph Curry, it was just L's. It was it was locked down defense. Uh, I'm, you know the Warriors are probably the best team in the NBA. I, I and I hate to say it because you guys know how and especially with Justin here, you guys. How big of a LeBron fan I am, I I always I've struggled. This is going to be my sixth straight year struggling to say anybody's better than whatever team LeBron's on because he is that good that he just makes his teams better. But I really think Golden State is the best team, and I, I don't think it's close. Do I think they're going to win the championship? I'm still not on that, but I do think they are the best team. Um you know, I'm, I'm the way the Pistons played last night. Like you said, final score that's not indicative of how this game went. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still on my team's bandwagon, and I think the Pistons are gonna. They, I think they could make a run for as high as the fourth seed. and I really believe that. Justin, did you uh, did you stay up to watch this game?
2: Uh, yeah, I did. It required a morning coffee uh, today, that's for sure. But <laughs> um, I did stay up to watch it. Um, one of the things main takeaways that I took from the game, um Detroit just needed depth. Um, it's one of the issues that I see with Detroit uh coming into this season, especially with Jenny's missing time as you mentioned. Um but I, I do have Detroit as a playoff team. I before the season I predicted that they would get the seventh seed. Um but one of the things that I, I noticed Golden State plays at a very high pace. Um, and they get a lot of transition buckets. Detroit plays at a slower pace, and they were able to dictate uh, the pace of play to an extent, and that kept it closer. Because um, Golden State, I mean, they're historically good offensively overall. Um, when you slow it down and you make it more of a half-court game, they're a very good defense or very good offensive team, rather than historically great. Um, so that's usually the way to give them troubles. I mean. We saw the Cavs do that in the regular season last year. Uh, we saw it in the playoffs as well when they were undermanned, and that helped make it a, a series. Um, it really helped uh, a Detroit team that not only is missing players coming off a second night of a back-to-back and having a hobble of Jackson, Jackson. Uh, it helped them stay in the game. And like you said, uh, the actual competition within the game was closer than the final score would indicate.
0: Yeah, and if this game was played, if this game was played on neutral uh, turf, when it came to when it came to obviously play, if this game was in Detroit or if this game was somewhere else on a neutral site, and if Detroit was healthy, and I'm talking from the perspective of Brandon Jennings and obviously Reggie Jackson, because the injury to Reggie Jackson midway through the third quarter was so apparent with this team because as you saw uh, Andrew and as I was and as you were if you were obviously you were watching Justin this 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 was a game where obviously the third quarter really you saw kind of what you were going to see in a game like this in the third quarter the fourth quarter wasn't indicative based upon the fact that like you said Blake uh what's his name Blake was playing uh the third basically the third string point guard coming in and playing pretty much Full co- full time off the bench minutes, and he's just not that kind of player. And you're not going to play well against the team with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson when that's all you have trying to you know trying to guard those guys. So really, this was one of those games where look, Golden State they kind of might have been viewed now as a team where if if a guy ha- if a team has an outside defender, kind of like like you were saying, Contavious Caldwell Pope, which he looked outstanding last night. On defense, if you have a team like, like Memphis with a Tony Allen, or if you have a team like Toronto with a Damari Carroll, if you have an outside defender presence type of guy, you're going to ha- find a way to shut this team down. And Contavious Coldwell-Pope, on his some of his defensive uh, prowess last night, you can see how this team uh how other teams can now finally defend this outside presence of the of the Golden State Warriors. Doesn't mean they're going to shut them down. No, doesn't mean they're going to obviously win and beat them every time. No, but it means that they can find a way to slow them down finally. And the last game before we go and talk about some Cavs is uh Memphis and Los Angeles last night obviously the Clippers again keeping it close. Memphis Finding a way, again, this is, and I mentioned this to Andrew last, yesterday, and Andrew was like, oh, the Clippers are going to wipe the floor, and I was like, yeah, I could see that happening, but I could also see this being a three-point game, four-point game, and Vegas scared me with this line last night because it was five-and-a-half favorite for the Clippers, and I was just like, man, this Memphis team is scary because they're good. They're they're, they're still a solid team. They obviously, there was a point made on the TNT broadcast last week that I wanted to mention that I, I mentioned in the previous show on Friday, um, that maybe the NBA game is starting to pass up the Memphis Grizzlies. They have every single piece they need on this team. The only thing they're missing is a go-to guy. I, and I mentioned this to Andrew early on in the season, before the season began. If you put DeMar DeRozan on this Memphis Grizzlies team, you're looking at an NBA championship team automatically. You're looking hmm. at a team like Zach Randolph. You're looking at a guy in Marcus Saul, two of the best big men down low. You add a go-to scorer who's going to get you 20 a night, You're you're talking about a fourth quarter that if this team is anywhere close, it is terrifying and traumatizing to think about the matchups that could happen down the stretch of games. Memphis doesn't have that. They don't have a go-to guy. People are talking about Jeff Green being the guy, but they've been talking about him being the guy for the last four years, and he just hasn't shown up and been that guy. If DeMar DeRozan was in this game last night for the Clippers and Memphis Grizzlies, I can guarantee you that he would go out there and put up some points and help Memphis get the win, but that just wasn't the case. And the Clippers clearly keep having the talent to win ball games, 5-2 and two now on this season, the only two losses they've had, one of them was against Houston early on uh, this past weekend which obviously should have been a Clipper win but this was one of those games again where you just look at the Clippers and you're thinking, man, where are they going to get their production from? You guys want to talk on this one before we talk Cavaliers?
2: I mean I'll agree with your sentiment and not with the DeRozan part of that um, I don't think DeRozan's that caliber of player, um, I, I really don't I, I think he's He's a bit of a workhorse. Uh, he's someone that will shoulder a large offensive load to kind of put everyone else into their natural roles. Um, right. But from an overall efficiency standpoint, I mean, you're talking about a, a 26% three-point shooter, so he doesn't help their spacing problems. Um, he's a 41% shooter from the field. Um, a, a great stat I saw was 33% of his shots that he takes. Um so a third of his shots come with over 10 se- uh over 10 seconds on the shot clock with a defender in his face 10 feet or more from the basket. So he takes a ridiculous amount of poor shots, and his efficiency on those shots is less efficient than DeAndre Jordan shooting two free throws at the line. So um, I I wouldn't say DeRozan would be the cure to that. I think they would need some three-point shooting, but they definitely are missing kind of that number one option that can carry them offensively when uh, things aren't rolling or another team is beating their normally stout uh, defense.
1: Yeah, Andrew, yeah, I think you answer. uh I think you made uh some great points with the Rosen. Me and Chris are both we we have been, we did the preview shows and we're both really high on the Rosen. I think he's a player where when you look at the stat sheet, sometimes you know, obviously the points, rebounds, assists will look nice, but sometimes the in depth stat sheet'll look ugly. Um, I think he kinda goes outside of that. Uh I, I really think he's he's a star caliber player. His efficiency could improve. That's obvious every single night. Uh, but if this guy could get his three point up to maybe thirty three, thirty four percent, I mean you're talking about you're talking about one of the better shooting guards in, in the whole NBA. But well, let's get into some Cavs talk, talk Chris. I believe we finished all the uh, all the reviews yeah. last night, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, and, and the one thing I wanted to talk about, what I wanted to talk about when it came to the Cavaliers is tonight there's a game. And then we'll just start the preview early, but we'll just talk about this game in particular so that we can get Justin going on some cavalier conversation. But uh this 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 game tonight is interesting because we had our uh, Utah Jazz insider Tony Jones on the show last I believe it was last Thursday. And we talked about mm-hmm. his Utah Jazz team and I've been and I've been contacting him and talking to him about how the Jazz have been looking good. They're four and two in the in the Western Conference right now, hovering around where all the playoff teams are at and he told me something about how this team hasn't played anybody yet to really see how they can play. Well, they have their ultimate test tonight in a 6-1 and one Cavalier team, the number one team right now in the Eastern Conference, and they're not even healthy. This is the scary part, and Andrew and I have been talking about it since the preseason, and it's a lot like, and it's not as comparable because obviously they're they're down a lot more men and they're a lot younger and they're not as talented right now as Cleveland, but the New Orleans Pelicans. They're injured right now. They're not at full strength. They're not their best team. Sometimes they're only suiting up nine guys on a night. So it's not it's a little bit more intense, but they're not the team that they would be right now. And they're 0-6. Cleveland, they don't even have their starting backcourt, and they're 6-1 and in the Eastern Conference. So it goes to show you, as what Andrew was saying earlier, that LeBron really can carry this team. This was the one part that I worried about from this Cleveland Cavalier team at the beginning of the year for the first couple of months. And right now, they're still riding the ship. They're on cruise control, and they're getting the job done without their two starting front uh, back court guys. And LeBron is still putting his. Guts. Do you think? Do you think they can carry this this type of uh, this type of game uh, any further throughout these next this next month month and a half with those two guys out, uh, Justin?
2: Well, I I think this is uh, something that they can keep doing. I mean, uh, they do get J.R. Smith back. Um, He did start the majority of the games when he was traded over from the Knicks. Um, There has been some talk or some speculation that Kyrie Irving will be back as soon as this Friday. Um, Oh, wow. He did did say um, uh, just over a week ago that if he really wanted to uh, ramp up his uh, conditioning, uh, and all that, he could be back within a week, especially if it was the NBA Finals. Uh, they haven't put a timeline on it because it's basically just about him getting confidence. Um, he's been able to, he's been sprinting for well over a month now. Uh, there's all, no limit to the drills that he can do. Um, it's just about getting strength and confidence in that knee. So it's basically whenever Kyrie feels comfortable, he will be back. Um the biggest thing with the Cavs right now and why they've been able to kind of weather the storm a little bit with Kyrie out is you have a Kevin Love, who's in probably the best shape I've ever seen him in his career, um, making a huge impact in the game, even though he's still trying to find a shooting touch, only playing about nine games since April of last year. Um, and, of course, when you have LeBron... Uh, you have added depth in Mo Williams and Richard Jefferson. You're going to be able to compete against teams, and they've kind of had a favorable schedule early on. Um, like you said, uh, Tony had mentioned um, how the Jazz have kind of haven't really played anyone. This game really does feel like a true litmus test for both teams. As um, yeah. no disrespect to the Chicago Bulls uh, or Memphis Grizzlies or. Um, Miami Heat, but those are three teams kind of in flux right now, trying to figure things out, either with new coaching staff, uh, injuries, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, The Jazz, you're talking about a team that right now has the best defensive efficiency in the league. Um, The Cavs have kind of been toying with teams recently, um, such as the Knicks and the Sixers, where they kind of play down to level of competition and just take over the game late. I don't know if you can do that against a Jazz team um, that is so good defensively. I don't think you can just count on getting buckets when it matters. I think you need a consistent effort from the opening tip. Otherwise, if you're falling behind, it might not be enough if you try to make a late charge.
1: Andrew, go ahead. Yeah. Now, when when Kyrie does come back and he's playing his normal 30, 35 minutes a game, uh is Mo Williams somebody who you think is going to be able to come off the bench and be just as good or do you think and I, and I know he did it in the past but uh do you think you know getting getting older which coming off the bench is normally a good thing but for a volume shooter somebody who started this year shooting a ton of shots getting his confidence you know being used to it do you think that's something that could affect him you know in the short term or in the long term for the season
2: um, I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem. He he has played really well in a bench role. Um, he A couple of years ago, he was kind of credited for re- revitalizing uh, Portland's bench, coming off in that role. Uh, it's something that he understood coming over to the Cavs. Uh, that was his anticipated role. Um, and the other thing is, he, he's somebody that you can play kind of off guard with Kyrie, um, especially when Shumpert's out. There's still a lot of minutes available at shooting guard. Um, so while you probably lose a little bit defensively with him there, just the extra playmaking there, the ability for both guys to play kind of on and off ball, it's going to help reduce the load and it's going to give him some of the shots that he wants. But I mean, ultimately, w- with the added attention that Irving's going to draw, he's Mo Williams is likely going to have a lot more open shots than he has right now as a primary ball handler. Um, so as long as his bought up shooting numbers kind of stay where they've been for his career, uh, the likelihood of him still experiencing some success seems uh, pretty high to me.
1: Right, right. And I think I think a big question that all Cavs fans are kind of answering for themselves right now, uh, and really everybody over the, the whole NBA world is kind of thinking about it, most people aren't very happy with it. Are you – me, personally, I'm very happy with it. Are you happy with the contract that Tristan Thompson got?
2: I was very happy with it. Um, I wish it would have been settled earlier. Um, that that would have been ideal to me. Um, but, I mean, yeah. they did get it done in time. Uh, the reality of the situation was... Even if Thompson walked for nothing, uh, the Cavs would have no room to sign a replacement other than kind of the mid-level, uh, not even the middle level exception. You'd have um, just kind of a veteran's exception there um, to sign a replacement for three or four years. So you're, you're signing someone that was 23 years old last season um, that can play both power forward and uh, center, primarily center, seems to be his position since LeBron's come over. Um, Timothy Moskov, as good as he's been, um, he's coming off knee surgery uh, this past summer and has looked really hobbled. Um, and he's someone that has been mentioned as a lot of teams having interest in signing him to a max contract. So I don't think uh, at his age with uh, kind of knee concerns, that's some a uh, direction the Cavs are planning to go. So Thompson's probably the long-term center, uh, at least uh, in the starting position. And he's, he, uh, even though he's not starting, last season Thompson was the one that was playing the entire fourth quarters. Mozgov was benched in the uh, fourth quarters of basically every game. Um, When Thompson's on the court with the Cavs' big three, they outscore their opponents by 21 points per hundred possessions. Um, This season, Thompson's looked uh, a lot better. Uh, It's obviously a small sample size, but he's shooting uh, 67.5%, and inside of six feet of the rim, he's holding his, uh, his man, uh, to 40% shooting, which is obviously exceptional. So, if he continues to pr- uh, improve defensively, which was um, my biggest concern, actually, contrary to popular belief, um, yeah. and keep those offensive numbers up, um, I, I don't see any reason why that contract doesn't look um, very good in a couple of years. Especially when the rest of the NBA starts signing these new deals. I mean, he's one of the first. He's one of the first big men to get the contract. So while wow. his numbers look a little high compared to where the players are right now, once all these other stars start signing their big contracts, I mean, Mozgov, they've talked about getting $20 million a year, so that that's substantially more than what Thompson's getting right now. Um, I, I think it's going to look a lot more reasonable.
0: I, I wanted to ask you questions. So you mentioned Kevin Love and Timothy Mozgov and obviously Tristan Thompson, as we just talked about. But the one guy I wanted to talk about, who's been really a staple of that franchise for the last ten plus years, has been Anderson Verasia. What is what has his impact been on this team since he's come back from his injury from last year, back in January? And has he been a, has he been an, an impact? Has he been a factor? I haven't been watching Cavs game recently. And what do you what is your take on him?
2: Um. It's getting near the end of the line for Virgil. Um Last season, yeah. he was almost impossibly bad defensively, which is weird, because coming into the league, yeah. he was kind of a hustle in defense, and now he's almost exclusively an offensive-only option. Um, his defensive numbers were worse than Enos Cantor even, um, which was well, surprising, and his re- rebounding numbers also tailed off. Um, This season, he hasn't seen a lot of playing time. Um, He's still shooting the ball um, very well from uh, mid-range. Getting like three to five minutes a game, I I think he can have an impact. Uh, He can kind of come in and give full energy rather than the 25 he was getting last season. Um, So maybe there is a role there, at at least spelling Moskov and Thompson at times at center, Um, but Overall, he's not someone that you can really bank on, um, one, to stay healthy, and two, to contribute at the stage of his career. Um, uh, for all the moves that I've kind of applauded David Griffin doing, um, I, I'm I'm fine with every move he's made except for the uh, Vergeau contract extension. I think that's, uh, at this point, one of the uh, worst contracts in the league. Oh, yeah
0: yeah it's probably it's probably more of a it's probably more of a uh uh you know him staying around thing i mean this is the only guy that's been on the team since lebron left since he you know when he was on the team first when he left and then now when he came back i mean that's that's some dedication and that's some tough times the guy's gone through just from a you know from a personal perspective but from the you know team perspective yeah he's just been there the whole time. And that's pretty cool. But, yeah, I agree with you. His his role has shifted. And now that they have Timothy Mozgov and the guys we mentioned earlier, I mean, it's really, like you said, his role doesn't need to be there as much. So I guess that's a good thing. But I agree with you. The contract was a little bit high on that part. Uh, switching gears a little bit real quick uh, before I – I want to kind of go through the schedule. I'll go through that in a second. But I had a couple questions just outside for the NBA perspective. Mario Chalmers is being traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. What is your take on this? I mean, Mario Chalmers kind of disappeared from the NBA Finals back in 2014, and since in last year he wasn't, he didn't make a name for himself at all. What is what is uh, what what is what is your take on this trade?
2: I, I don't think the trade moves the needle really uh, for either team yeah. right now. Chalmers is shooting like I, I believe nine percent from the three-point line, which is not exactly great. Um, I think Udrick uh, Udrick's a, a fine enough player um but obviously with Goran Dragić and uh Tyler Johnson there in Miami I I don't think he's going to be seeing a lot of playing time. It's essentially a salary dump uh for Miami um and for Memphis I I guess they're just hoping they get something out of him but even if they don't I I I don't think it really changes things uh for either team.
0: All right. Uh I guess uh I guess we are out of time with uh, Justin Rowan for today. I wanted to get into the schedule a little bit, but uh, we can talk about that some other time. Andrew, you got anything else to say?
1: Yeah, just real quick, as I like to ask every everybody we have on here, I like to put them on the spot. What is your NBA Finals prediction for this year, and who you got winning it? Winning it?
2: Um, I got I, I've I've wrestled with this a little bit because I I think Golden State is so good. Um, but I, I got the Cavs over the Clippers, actually. Um, n- nobody remembers these predictions unless you go a little bit outside the box. So I'm going to go with the Clippers. I think eventually they, they kind of figure it out. Uh, Blake Griffin's playing like an MVP candidate at this point. I think if they're healthy, um, they they make a deeper run than they did last season. And the added additions, I mean, Lance Stevenson, Josh Smith, and all that, I, I do think that they can make a legitimate push. But I'll, I'll take the Cavs winning it all. The Homer All right, Justin, th- Yeah,
0: thank you again for coming on the show. We'll get you on uh, often later on down the road, okay, man? Thanks,
2: All right, Justin. sounds good. Thank you guys very much for having me.
0: Abs- absolutely, no problem. And that's uh, Justin Rowan again, Ke- Cleveland Cavalier insider. Andrew, anything else you got to say? I know you got to go, man, but anything else you got to say?
1: Yeah, I uh, uh, just want to get it out there one more time, just because, as you can tell, I love talking about him. Go, Pistons. I'm still proud of the way they played last night. And as I say every time, peace.
0: All right, Andrew's out. He's got to get back to work. He's got to do his thing. I get where he's coming from. If I was working, I'd be in the same situation. But we're going to preview tonight's basketball games. Obviously, a lot of Cavalier talk, a lot of talk. Obviously, the Mario Chalmers trade to Memphis is an interesting move. And obviously, not a Neal mover. I agree, with it. I agree with Justin on that point. I mean, he makes a good point on what this team is. Uh, is looking like in Memphis and where everything's going uh, with the, excuse me, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I wanted to get into some, some more news, but obviously everyone's left me. I'm by myself. If you're listening still, we're previewing Tuesday night basketball. There are some, there are a couple of good games tonight. A couple. The rest are more of just matchup fun games. Utah and Cleveland, we mentioned it. Cleveland's favored by six and a half. I'm gonna take Cleveland in the six and a half. This is gonna be like like Justin said, a litmus test for both these teams for Utah from the perspective of are they a true four and two team? Do they have the defense to really contend with a team like Cleveland right now? It will be on display tonight in Cleveland. It should be a good game. I think it'll be one of the best games of the night. And I think Cleveland's gonna cover the spread though. They're gonna win by six and a half, but it should be a more competitive game than that. I think actual game of the night, Oklahoma city at Washington. This is going to be one of the more fun games to watch on the schedule tonight. Obviously on NBA TV, I can't watch that one, but I will be tuning into Utah Cleveland But Oklahoma city, Washington. This will be a game. I'll rewatch on a condensed version tonight, Oklahoma city, they are favored by five and a half. They're going into Washington. I think Washington's going to turn around a little bit and they're going to get the win in this one, if not keep it close. I think this will be one of the best games to watch. John Wall, Russell Westbrook, two of my favorite uh, point cards in the game, duking it out. Should be one of the better matchups in the NBA on a Tuesday night. And the rest of the games on the schedule, there's seven of them. Those are the only two that really were worth mentioning. But the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat they're playing tonight. I think Miami will get it done. They're favored by 11. I think they're going to absolutely dominate in this one. No one. They have no matchup down low in L.A. for Hassan Whiteside and Chris Bosch. They're just going to absolutely annihilate them from the inside portion of the paint. Toronto and uh, the New York Knicks. This is going to be fun. Like I said, DeMar DeRozan, uh, DeMar DeRozan and you got Carmelo Anthony with Damari Carroll on T- Carmelo Anthony. This will be fun. But I think I, I think Damari Carroll's presence in this one's going to be huge, and I think Toronto's going to get the win. They're favored by eight. Take the eight points. I think they're going to dominate from the perspective of look, Damari Carroll. If he can shut down Mellow in any way, state or form, uh, the Knicks have no chance. They're just not going to compete. They're going to play better basketball like they've been doing, but they're not going to win this game. And if they do, I'll be shocked. Toronto should win by eight. Take the points. Get it and going. New Orleans and Dallas tonight again. New Orleans is favored by a point and a half. They are still they still don't have a win. I think they're going to get their first win tonight. This is a good opportunity. They're at home. They're playing a Dallas team that's in, that's in shambles right now. New Orleans obviously is in shambles with all their injuries, but I think they're going to pick it up and they're going to get the win in this one. They're favored by a point and a half. Take the point and a half. Get New Orleans their first win of the season. They need to get it done tonight. Boston and Milwaukee. This is an interesting game because – Boston's favored, yet they only have two wins, obviously CLNS Radio. I'd take Boston in this one. Milwaukee's been kind of up and down. They're kind of the, they're kind of the, Milwaukee is kind of the, what would you say, Memphis Grizzlies version of the Eastern Conference. They're up and down. They're inconsistent. They play okay at times. They play terrible at times this year so far in their short sample size. They've been inconsistent consistently. And I just think Boston, with the way they played their last game against Washington, they have a boost in confidence in that they can play anybody. And I think tonight will be the case where they can win the game on the road and get a W in Milwaukee. They're favored by two, take the two. I think they're going to win by more than that, maybe by five points. This should be a good game, though, from an overall X's and O's perspective. This probably will be one of the better games to watch if you're a coach in the NBA or just just a coach in general because this will be one of the games where you watch and see lengths Really take advantage. There have been times where I've watched the Milwaukee Bucks steal the ball three straight times early on in this season. I'm telling you, the Boston Celtics won't make that mistake in this one. I think they'll get it done and they'll win the game. Minnesota and Charlotte. Last game on the docket. Minnesota and Charlotte. This will be fun because Minnesota obviously played out of their mind last night. And Charlotte is a team where if they put it all together, they're a really, really good team as we've seen early on. I think if Charlotte puts it all together, they can win this game. But I think this is going to be one of the more close games of the night, if not down to the wire. I think I think Minnesota gets the win, but it's going to be close, and if not, they're going to lose very, very close. Minnesota is underdogs by one and a half, so you have Charlotte favored by one and a half. I would take Minnesota and the points. Obviously, I think Minnesota will get this victory, and they'll get the win tonight. That is your preview for the night. That is your show. We're out of here. we got about a minute left in the show. Again, next show is tomorrow. We have tomorrow's show. And, okay, yeah, sorry about that. I was trying to hit the button. Uh, we, got about, we got
1: about a minute left.
0: Uh, tomorrow's show will be same time, same place. Veterans Day tomorrow, obviously, will be de- getting some dedications to the troops. I mean, I have family members who are in the military, and I have my opinions on, on, on Veterans Day. But, again, if you're a veteran, I thank you for your service. I thank for all the things you've done. Uh, but, again, uh my takes a little different than others. Anyway, the point is, again, to our troops, to our families, to everyone out there. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much again for everything you've done. And again, next show, eleven eleven tomorrow. We'll have a will break down the seven games tonight that I just previewed. We'll talk about the uh, enormous amount of games for Wednesday night. We'll get it going here on a Wednesday
1: tomorrow afternoon. Thank you again for
0: listening. Enjoy your week, your night of basketball. There should be some great games tonight. Turn it on, get it going. Watch up basketball, baby.